Uh, so the reading today is um, from Philippians 3:15 to uh, Philippians 4:1. So you can find that on page 1,180, and it should be up behind me as well. All of us then who are mature should take should take such a view on things. And if on some point you think of differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have all already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have, and just you have, oh, sorry, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who, on those who live as we do. For, as I have t- often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Thanks, Shannon. Morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you this morning. It's really encouraging to be able to to come along to a different church in the in the Trinity Network on the opposite side of town and be able to see so many friendly faces and see that that God's doing great things all over Adelaide. So thanks for having me along. It's really really great to be here. Uh, Keep your Bibles open to that passage. Uh, there's an outline that will help you follow a bit more with what are we talking about. Now, I think Amanda might have prepared the outline a bit quicker than I wrote the sermon. So I think there's, there might be a separate sheet with the outline that's got a, a slightly more detailed outline. Uh, so that will help you to follow what I'm saying. I used to work as a structural engineer. So before I went to Bible college, I worked as a structural engineer. And my job there was to basically to make sure that houses stand firm, really. Like, it's the architect's job to make sure that the house looks nice. All that the engineer is concerned about is making sure uh, that the house stands firm. So that was basically my job, design a house and make sure it stands firm. There's lots of things that can stop a house from standing firm. You've got uh, the winds that blows against the building, uh, you've got all the, the soil that pushes up against the house, the, the weight of all the people and the furniture uh, inside the house. Uh, so it's important uh, that the, the engineer does the job right uh, to make sure that the house stands firm uh, so that everyone in there is safe. And in the same way, the Christian faith is really all about standing firm in Jesus. Uh, it's about having our, our trust in Jesus and really um, having our lives shaped around who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And it's clearly, that's what Paul wanted in this letter that he's writing, if we look at chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So it's clear that Paul really loves the people that he's writing to, and he wants them to, to be standing firm in Jesus. And that's what we want today as well, isn't it? Um, for all of you here who have put your trust in Jesus, I... I take it that's that's what you want the most in life, uh, to be able to stand firm in Jesus. And for those that you love as well, to be standing firm, to have to have their hope securely in who Jesus is and what he's done. 
So where would you say you're at with that, personally? Like if I was to come up to you after this service and ask, are you standing firm in Jesus? How would you answer that? I'm not going to do that, by the way. I'll, I'll find a more conventional way to introduce myself. Uh, but it, it's a good one to, to think through. Um, I, am I standing firm? And now there'll be, there'll be some of you here who will think, yes, I, my faith is really in a good spot at the moment. I'm really enjoying my relationship with God. I'd say I am standing firm. Uh, there'll be others who perhaps you've got a good relationship with God, but uh, you realize your faith is perhaps a bit more shaky, a bit less firm than you might like it to be. And there might be people here who have never really got to the point where they felt like that, where you felt like you've had a firm relationship with Jesus. Uh, so we're, we're all in different places with that. I think a, a big question that something like chapter 4 verse 1 here raises is how do we stand firm in Jesus? And Paul's begging them to stand firm in Jesus, uh, but how do they do that? And the second half of chapter 3 that we've just read, he gives three instructions uh, that will help them to do that. And it's those three instructions that we'll focus on in our time together this morning. Uh, just to, to have a look at a bit of the bigger picture, I realize that not everyone here has necessarily been here for all of the Philippians series so far. I think you had the, the first half of chapter 3 last week, and then I think the first two chapters you might have done in I think September or October or something last year. So I realize not everyone was here for all of that. Just to give you the, the big picture of what's going on, uh, it's the Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church. That's a church that he's had a bit to do with in the past. And it's a church that has been going through some persecution. So the Christians in Philippi are the minority there. There's not many people that are Christians compared with everyone else. And so there's been persecution from outside the church. There's also been false teaching from inside the church as well. And so Paul is pleading to them that in the midst of, of all of this, uh, they're to be united together as a church in their faith and they're to shine like stars in their faith so that those who are outside the church uh, can see uh, what the church really is meant to be. And if they're going to be united in their faith and shine like stars, then they really need to be standing firm in their faith. So let's look at what the instructions that Paul gives them. First instruction he gives them is to have the right view. If we have a look at verse 15, he begins by saying, All of us then who are mature should take such a view on things. Now he's coming back to what he said in the, the verses before, which you would have looked at last week. And basically what he's, what he's saying there is that uh, there's this righteousness from faith uh, that comes from putting our faith in what Jesus has done for us to be saved. Uh, so Paul's rejoicing in this righteousness that comes from faith. And he's declaring that, that his own intent in life is to press on towards this goal. And this, Paul's saying, this is the mindset that mature people should have. And that mindset is that the work is done, but there's still work to do. Work is done, but there's still work to do. I'll explain what I mean by that. Right, now, Paul clearly understood that he was a sinful person, uh, that he was disobedient to God by his nature. He also knew that Jesus had died uh, to take away the penalty 
for that sin. Uh, Jesus had died so that Paul could come into a right relationship with God. In fact, Jesus had died so that everyone who puts their trust in Jesus can come into a right relationship with God. Um, But he also knows that um, to put your faith in Jesus is more than just signing on the dotted line and then going back and living life as if nothing had ever happened. Uh, Paul knows that um, a life of of genuine faith in Jesus uh, means not only knowing that Jesus has saved us, uh, but also that Jesus shapes the, the way that we live our life. And so the work is done uh, because the work for us to be saved was done on the cross by Jesus. Uh, that, was, that was what was needed for us to be saved. There's nothing that we can add to that. Uh, but there's still work to do in that we still ought to live a life of faithful service to Jesus in response to that. Understanding what he's done to save us uh, really calls us to, to hand our lives over to him, to, to put ourselves in his service and to really enjoy a life of living for him and with him. Uh, Paul then says, second half of verse 15, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. So he's saying, this is the, the clear truth of how God has revealed himself. Uh, that the work has been done by Jesus, um, but a life of faith will still involve us living our lives for Jesus. So how does this help us to stand firm? Well, I think it, it helps us in a number of ways. Most importantly, it shows us that we don't have to earn our way to God, uh, that we don't need to despair and wonder if we've done enough to please God, uh, if we've done enough to be saved, uh, we know that on the cross, Jesus did all that was needed for us. And so we don't need to despair. It also helps us when we're tempted to doubt God's love as well. Um, I think it's very easy to, to recognize God as being a loving God uh, when things are going well. But um, I'm sure all of you at some point will have a time in your life where you really question that, where things might not be going so well and it really causes you to think, is God loving if he's allowing this to happen? And we look at the cross and see that God was willing to give his own son for us to be saved. And that's where we clearly see that God is loving. It also helps us to stand firm by stopping us from being complacent. It helps us uh, not just to call ourselves Christian, but to live as if the cross never happened, uh, but to constantly be looking back to the cross to, to see what God did for us through Jesus and to really shape our lives around that. So the first instruction is to have the right view. Second instruction to help us to stand firm is to follow the right examples. So we look at verse 17 where Paul says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Now, at first reading, it kind of seems a little bit arrogant, doesn't it? Like, imagine if I was to just get up here and say, look, if you want to live a good life, just honestly, my example, fantastic, just follow me around for a week or two, just kind of try and copy what I do and you are absolutely set for life. 
you'd chase me out of here with pitchforks if, if I said that. That'd be, that'd be a ridiculous thing for me to say. Uh, I think we have to understand what Paul is saying here uh, from everything else that he said in Philippians and everything he said in the lead up to this passage is constantly pointing them to Jesus. So I think when Paul is saying, follow my example, uh, what we're meant to hear him saying is, follow me as I follow Jesus. And so ultimately, the example that we have in everything comes from Jesus. But the example of other people is still important though, isn't it? I think it's, it's really important to, to actually have people in our lives, people living in the same world that we are, breathing the same air that we are, and people who are following Jesus today, um, who we're able to follow, who we're able to copy. So I think this, this raises a couple of important questions for us. The first one is, who are you following? Who are the, the people that are setting the examples in your life? Are, are the people that you're, you're looking up to, uh, that you're, you're trying to, to copy in your life, are they people that are following Jesus? Are the, the things that you admire the most in other people the, the things that they are copying Jesus in? It's an important question to think about. Another important question is, who are you leading? Who are the, the people that are, that are copying you, who are, who are following your examples? If you are a leader here in some way, maybe if you, you lead a kids program or a youth group, uh, if you lead a small group, if you've got people younger than you in your family, uh, there's a good chance that there are people who are looking up to you, uh, that, that they're following your example, and that when they see you following Jesus' example, that that's, that's a huge encouragement for them. So who are you following and who are you leading? Now, the contrast that, that Paul sets up here is in verse 18 and 19 with, with these enemies of the cross that he, that he talks about. And now, now, the point with these people clearly is uh, that these are people who have followed the wrong example and they're setting the wrong example as well. So they're not, they're not following Jesus in their lives. If we have a look at, at what Paul says about them, uh, from verse middle of verse 19, he says... Their glory is in their shame, sorry, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So these are, these are people who are self-indulgent, uh, they're immoral, they're materialistic. Really, what's the problem here is that they're living as if the cross never happened. Well, they haven't recognized that uh, when Jesus died for our sins, it was really a call for us to to give up everything and to follow him. And so their destiny is destruction because they've rejected the cross. These are people who are consumed by their world. Their minds are set on earthly things. I think that's, that's quite real for us as well. I think it's, it's not hard at all to see how we can have our minds set on earthly things. The fact is, we live in a very materialistic world, don't we? Like I think the, the classic example, we've just come out of Christmas season and you know different things change every year, but the one thing you can guarantee is you watch the news on Boxing Day and you'll see footage of shop doors opening and people who have just finished unwrapping all their Christmas presents are rushing into the store to, to buy all their stuff. 
Uh, we live in a, a world that is really focused on things, don't we? On, on what we have and how we live. And there are expectations that, that we feel are placed on us about how we live in a materialistic world. Uh, so there's, there's lots of examples that we can follow around us that are pointing us to just wanting earthly things, to, to wanting the next big thing in this world. It's not hard at all for us to follow the example of the world. Uh, but what, what Paul is saying to the Philippians here is that if they're going to stand firm in their faith, if they're going to shine like stars to the world around them, they need to be following the right examples. And they need to be following Jesus and not following the way that the world sees things. So following the right examples. And the third instruction is keeping an eternal perspective. Uh, these, these people that Paul has just been talking about here, they're clearly people that are caught up in the here and now. They're fully invested in what they have here on earth. In contrast, Paul is saying that uh, for the Christian person, um, our true citizenship is in heaven. I know um, dual citizenship has copped a bit of a bad rap in the last couple of months for, for various reasons, but that's what we are. We're dual citizens. Uh, we have a citizenship here on earth, uh, but we have a greater citizenship as well in heaven. Now, this citizenship illustration would have actually had a bit of extra meaning for the people that were reading this letter. So he's writing to people that live in a city called Philippi. Uh, now, Philippi was a Roman colony. And so citizens of Philippi were also citizens of Rome. Now, being a, a citizen of Philippi, I suppose that's an okay thing to be. But being a citizen of Rome, that was fantastic. Um, that gave you opportunities, gave you legal rights um, that other people just didn't have in that day and age. So being a Roman citizen was a big deal for people. Even though Rome and Philippi were miles apart, and really, if you're living in Philippi, what's going on in Rome is completely irrelevant, even though they've, they're that far apart. Having that Roman citizenship made a huge difference in their lives. And so that's what Paul is saying here, that you've got your citizenship here on earth, uh, but there's a far better one in heaven. Why is it better, though? Why is a citizenship in heaven better than one on earth? Well, it's better because of what's to come. If we have a look at verse 20, Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. So that's what we have to look forward to with our citizenship in heaven. It's the, the transforming of our bodies. So when Jesus died, he was resurrected on the third day and his body was transformed into an everlasting, eternal body. And that set the pattern for what will happen for us as well. Uh, we have the, the sure hope that if we've put our trust in Jesus, we'll be resurrected just as he was. And we won't have uh, the bodies that we have now with all the, the flaws and all the, the pains that they bring us. Uh, but we'll have perfect, everlasting bodies, just like Jesus. 
And so the, the greatest thing that we can await is the fulfillment of this citizenship in heaven and where we have new bodies and we have none of the, the pain, uh, none of the, the difficulties of the world that we live in now. So this is the eternal perspective that, that Paul is calling them to live with. My mum had something that she used to say every time I got upset about it. So when I was a kid, if I, I don't know, if I, if I stubbed my toe or something, mum would always have the same thing that she'd say to me. I'd be upset, I'd be crying, and mum would just say to me, look, is this going to matter in 10 years' time? And it was really annoying, because I knew she was right, but kids just don't deal with logic when they're in a bad mood. Uh, but this is what Paul's calling them to do as well, to, to look at their current circumstances with a long-term view. Now, that's not always going to be easy. I, I don't know all of you. I don't know uh, what the circumstances you have going on at the moment are, and I know that there are some circumstances that are very difficult, and it's, I can't just stand up here and tell you to ignore those because there's something good that's going to come. But being able to, to see the circumstances that we have now with this eternal perspective, with the sure hope of eternity that we have in our minds, it's the best way uh, that we can deal with any circumstances that we face today. It's probably worth remembering that Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter as well. So if anyone had the right to complain about bad circumstances, Paul would have been pretty well up there. So we can stand firm by living in light of what's happened at the cross and what's still to come, the resurrection. And so the cross and the resurrection are really two anchors that, that hold us firmly in place in our faith in Jesus. So if, if you don't feel like you're, you're standing firm in Jesus at the moment, what do you think it is that's stopping you? Uh, what, what do you think is the, the big thing that has put you on shaky ground with where you're at? And if you are standing firm, what do you see as being the biggest threat to that? What, what do you think it would be that, that might rock you in your faith, that might just take you off that firm ground a bit? If it's doubt about whether we've done enough to please God, uh, let's look to the cross uh, where Jesus paid the price for us, where Jesus did all the work for us. Uh, if it's doubt about God's love, let's look to the cross, where, Jesus, where God gave his son's life so that we could come into relationship with him. And maybe it's complacency. Maybe you can see that in your life um, you're tempted to, to stray away, to, to forget um, what Jesus has done for you, to, to live life your own way. Again, let's, let's look to the cross. Let's remember uh, what it took for our sins to be forgiven, uh, to come into that relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's the, the things of this world that you find difficult in standing firm. I think it's not uncommon to look at the life that you could have if you didn't know Jesus, to, to look at the, the different ways you'd be able to live life and to think there's a lot I've given up uh, to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. And it might just be that you find yourself consumed by material things. 
Uh, you find that you really do love the things of this world and that that can sometimes cause you to take your eyes off Jesus a bit. If, if that's the case, then I think we need to, to look at the two citizenships that we have, the, the earthly one and the heavenly one, and to think about which one means the most to us. I was chatting to a guy the other day. He, he came from India, and he'd moved to Australia to study. He'd got a job here, and he got married. And at some point, he realized he'd have to get an Australian citizenship if he was going to keep living here. Um, but with an Indian citizenship, apparently you're not allowed to, to be dual citizens if you're from India. So to be an Australian citizen, he knew that he was going to have to give up his Indian one. He really didn't want to do that because his Indian citizenship meant a lot to him. It was his mother country, had a lot of great memories there. Um, but he thought about it and he realized that he, he had a job here. He had a wife and kids in Australia. He had a church family. He realized that um, the Australian citizenship was the one that, that held the most for him. So he realized that was the citizenship that he had to put first. Maybe it's circumstances that, that you're facing that have rocked you in your faith or that, that might threaten how firm you're standing in Jesus. If that's the case, then we need to look forward uh, to the sure hope that we have in the resurrection, uh, to know that all the pains and struggles that we live with now, they won't be forever. Uh, there'll be a day when things are made right, a day when it won't be hard to stand firm in Jesus. So let's stand firm by living in the lights of what Jesus has done on the cross. Let's stand firm by following those who are following Jesus today. And let's stand firm by looking joyfully to the sure hope that we have in the future. I'll pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you uh, for this letter that was written so many centuries ago that, that still has so much relevance for us. And we thank you that you speak to us through your word. And we pray that you'd help us to, to take on board uh, this call for us to stand firm in Jesus. Uh, please help us to know just how awesome it is to have that relationship with Jesus, uh, to know how important it is to stand firm. Uh, we pray that you'd help us uh, when we're finding it difficult to stand firm for whatever reason, that you'd be helping us to, to look back to what you've done for us on the cross, uh, that you'd help us to look forward to the sure hope that we have in the resurrection uh, and that you'd be providing people in our lives who are following you, who we can follow, and that you'd be helping us as your church uh, to live lives following you, that other people might follow us as well. Amen.